Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band, and every band guy wants to be an, 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 you know, a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. You know, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought, like, well, maybe we should wear Montreal jerseys. And then I was like, mm, I think you should stay neutral. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network, where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music. Welcome to New York. Devil State, State of Mind, Mind podcast. podcast, brought to brought you by to the Hockey, Hockey podcast, podcast, podcast Network. Now, here's, now your, here's host, your host, Neil Villapiano. Woo! What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time to check this episode out here this week. And today on Devil's State of Mind, we are going to be talking about one specific move that the Devils did make this past week that I wanted to share with you. So back on Tuesday, September 8th, the Devils did announce via their social medias and pretty much everywhere that they could that they had hired former NHL veteran of a of 22 years and is a Hockey Hall of Famer from the class of 2017, Mark Recchi as an assistant coach on Lindy Ruff's staff. Now, before Mark Recchi came to the Devils, he was an assistant the past three years with the Pittsburgh Penguins, mostly in charge of their power play. And before that, he was part of the player development for the Penguins, being in charge of developing players from the minors, from junior hockey and college and, and everything in between. But Mark Recchi now comes to the New Jersey Devils after being let go by the Penguins a few weeks ago and will be an assistant. And from what I've read, it looks like he will pretty much take on the same role that he had in Pittsburgh. He's probably going to be in charge of the power play and going from there. He's also going to be very much involved in helping the development of the young players that we have. Nico Hishier, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Pavel Zaka, you know, Nikita Gusev, Mackenzie Blackwood, guys like that. So that's really kind of the couple of things that I would say Mark Recchi is really brought in to do. So 
One of the things that I wanted to also mention, because we do have somebody that's going to be coming on in just a few minutes that will be able to give us a better insight as to what to expect from Mark Recchi, and I'll reveal who that is in just a few minutes. But I wanted to kind of give you guys a little bit of a background of Mark Recchi so you guys have a better understanding of who exactly he is. Because the Devils don't usually make announcements about an assistant coach. And this kind of shows, you know, how you know, how big of a name Mark Recchi is within the hockey world. You know, I mentioned before, a 22-year career as an NHL player. But one of the things that I think is very big is simply that he has a relationship with virtually everybody of great importance within the management, coaching, you know, part of the organization. Uh, Mark Recchi was in Pittsburgh while Tom Fitzgerald was the assistant general manager under Ray Shiro. So they already have a relationship going back to Pittsburgh. And Recchi has a relationship with Lindy Ruff when Mark Recchi, just after retirement, worked as a consultant in 2013 for the Dallas Stars when Lindy Ruff became the head coach of the Stars. I believe he also has somewhat of a relationship with Nazardine, and we'll, we'll actually get into Nazardine in just a minute because there's also some importance that I wanted to share with that. But again, 22-year career as an NHL player. He won three Stanley Cups. One in the early 90s with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He won in 2006 with the Carolina Hurricanes. And then in his last year in the NHL, he won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins in 2011. He is fourth all-time in games played and 12th all-time in points. And like I mentioned before, was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2017. And as far as the exact number of points, he finished his career with 1,533 points. And he also played in 1,652 regular season games. So this guy had a very long career. I mean, you're talking about two plus decades of playing hockey. This guy has experience, you know, out the wazoo. And to kind of give you a little bit more of a rundown with his stats to be, you know, exact I can, he had 577 goals, 956 assists, a seven-time All-Star, played in 189 playoff games. And in those games, he had 61 goals. 86 assists for 147 points. He played for the Penguins, the Montreal Canadiens, the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Atlanta Thrashers, who eventually became the Winnipeg Jets, and the Carolina Hurricanes. He is a two-time gold medalist and won a gold medal at the 1988 World Junior Championships and then won a gold medal in 1997 at the World Championships and skated in the Winter Olympic Games in 1998. And that was what he did as a player. Now, as far as a coach concerned, like I mentioned, he started as a developmental coach a few years back with the Pittsburgh Penguins when it came to just his coaching because he was a consultant when he was with the Dallas Stars. But you go back to 20, before the 2014-15 season, Recky became the developmental coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So his job was to basically work on the younger players and develop them you know, and he worked with some guys like, like Jake Gensel, you know, and, and players like that, you know, Connor Sheary, you know, guys that came up and eventually helped contribute to cups that the Penguins won. And he was a part of the 2016 and 2017 Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins before he actually became an assistant coach. And in 17-18, he was hired as an assistant coach with the Penguins, and he was mostly reasonable for the power play. And in three, uh, in two of the three years, that Mark Recchi was in charge of the power play. The Penguins had a top five power play in the NHL. They led the league in 17-18, his first year, with a 26.2 uh, 
uh, power play percentage. And then this past year, he finished in third place in the NHL with a 23.8 percentage. So it is clear that Mark Recchi has understanding from a player's aspect. He has a little bit of a good understanding from, you know, a coaching aspect. So I think Mark Recchi is a very solid hire. And I put it out on the Devil's State of Mind Twitter, which is at Devil's State, which you guys should go follow. I asked you guys, you know, what did you guys think of the hire? Were you excited? Were you not sure? Were you optimistic? Were you indifferent? You know, what was it? And it's and from what I saw, the majority of you guys said that you were very interested, very excited about this hire because you knew about what he was capable of doing. And, you know, I, I'm, I would say I'm also very optimistic and I kind of get into that during the interview that I had. But yeah, I, I was very optimistic about this hire and I'm interested to see what he could do. Look, the Devils power play has not been really that good for quite some time. And do I think Mark Recchi is going to come in and immediately make the Devils power play one of the top three in the NHL? No, but if we're getting a lot of improvement and scoring a lot more on the man advantage, that's just going to be it. But the main thing that Mark Recchi is here for is to help develop young players. And he said it while he was being interviewed by the Devils on their podcast that, look, he wanted to come in here, develop these guys, and bring a championship back to New Jersey. And that's something that we haven't had talked about enough. You know, got coaches, players coming in saying they want to come here and win a Stanley Cup here. And I think that that's a really important mindset to have. And also I thought what was interesting is that when Mark Recchi was bringing up some of the players that he was very, very much interested in working with, he brought up someone like Pavel Zaka. He, he said, look, Pavel Zaka's, you know, a first round pick. We got to get him going. This is now that point in his career where he really has to start you know, really, really showcasing what he can do. And, and I like hearing that because if that means we can start developing some of the guys that have taken a lot longer to develop, you know, that's just going to make our lives easier and it's going to make the team success happen a lot quicker. So all in all, to kind of wrap this little bit up here, um, I'm really excited to see what Mark Recchi can do. I'm interested to see how he's going to communicate with the players. I know he's considered to be a, a team guy, a guy that's going to you know, not be, you know, in your face, but he's going to give you a pat on the back and give you the motivation that you need. So that's a really positive thing. But lastly, before, you know, I, I you know, show you guys this interview is, is simply I wanted to bring up the whole thing with, well, where does Elaine Nazardine fit into this? Well, it turns out that I think a day or two after Mark Recchi was hired or it was announced that he was hired, Randy Miller of NJ.com came out of the article that pretty much said that Elaine Nazardine is going to stay on as an assistant coach under Lindy Ruff, which I think, for most of us, we were probably expecting it and also were, were pretty much for because I think a lot of us understood that he did a pretty good job considering the situation that he was in, you know, taking over for John Hines on the interim basis. And he really put himself in a good position and put him in the good graces of the organization. So he gave himself an opportunity. Now, as far as Rick Kowalski and Mike Greer, I did hear from that same article that neither one of them will be returning as assistant coaches, but they will be hired for different roles within the organization. So that could be player development. That could be working in, you know, in Binghamton with the, with the minor league team. I don't know. But it looks like that nobody's really getting fired. It's more of just they're being moved around. Except Nazardine, he's pretty much going back to the same role. I heard that Nazardine will most likely be in charge of the defense and the penalty kill and things like that, which I think is what he was actually in charge of before he took over for John Hines. So he's kind of going back to the same role that he got before. And that's understandable. And I think Lindy Ruff understands that he needed to have some familiarity with, you know, the players, you know, having a coach on there that the players already knew and actually liked. And I think Lindy Ruff probably had a chance to talk with 
and have conversations with Elaine Nazardine and really actually enjoyed, you know, talking with him and wanted to keep him on. So I don't know if that means that's the end of the coaching staff because I know uh, Melanson was let go as the goaltending coach. And so we have to find a new goalie coach. We also have to find another scout or two. So there's still some changes within the organization that need to be made, um, new, you know, different hires. And we're getting close to the NHL draft. I believe October 6th is going to be the first round of the NHL draft. So it's coming up pretty quickly, to say the least. So it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks what the Devils decide to do. There's a couple other guys out there that I'm sure the Devils are keeping their eye on, and we'll see how it goes. But again, as always, let me know what you guys think of the Mark Recchi hire. You know, check us out at Devil's State on Twitter, at Devil's State of Mind on Instagram, and also the Devil's State of Mind Facebook page. Just, just let us know. We would love to hear from you guys. And, you know, we would love to, you know, talk with you guys about this hire, what to be, what to expect from Mark Recchi, and what to expect from the Devils with regards to filling out the rest of their coaching staff. Now, without further ado, I decided that, you know what, because... Mark Recchi is a former Penguins coach. I felt that it was necessary to talk to someone who has watched this team and actually covers this team here on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that is none other than Nick Horwath, who is one of the co-hosts of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And I had the chance to speak with him for about an hour about what to expect from Mark Recchi, how he did in Pittsburgh, you know, what, what should we be looking for, you know, what could be possibly his role here. And also, we discussed a few other things going on in the Pittsburgh Penguins land. So I want you guys to sit back and relax and enjoy this interview. And uh, again, as always, let me know what you guys think, and we'll, we'll see you after, after the interview. All right, Devils fans. Now, as you know, earlier on, earlier on in this episode, I uh, kind of you know, went over you know, the Devils hiring of Mark Recchi as one of our new assistant coaches. This is probably the first time in a while that the Devils made like a big announcement about an assistant coach. I don't really remember the last time. Maybe when Larry Robinson was hired the second time around in the early uh, 20, you know, 20 teens, I guess. But uh, nonetheless, um, I actually have on someone today that uh, knows a little bit about Mark Greke and his coaching over the last couple of years. And that is one of the co-hosts of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And that is Nick Horwat. Nick. Welcome, my friend, to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me on. It's always great talking with you, Neil, and I'm doing well today. It's, I don't know the weather today. Usually, anytime someone asks me, uh, how am I doing today on a show, I'm like, well, the weather is this. I can't see my, my <laughs> right. dungeon basement. But, um, yeah, we're here to talk about Mark Recchi, who, out of me and my other co-host, Nick Berlansky, I think I was the one that wasn't the bigger fan of Mark Recchi personally. Okay. I'm going to preface that now. I haven't told you that yet, but I oh. – Whenever we signed him, not signed him, I guess, but when we picked him up to, you know, replace Rick Tockett, yeah. I was immediately just, oh, I don't know about that. And right. I'll get into it whenever we start talking about him. But without a doubt, um, for now, yeah, it, we, yeah, I think he's a good coach. I'll start with that. He's okay, a good, good assistant coach. He's yeah. no head coach caliber <laughs> kind of guy. Right. But for now, exactly. for an assistant, he'll do the job. Yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, when I, when I first heard it, which was, you know, back on Tuesday, um, I didn't know how to necessarily react because I knew that he had just been fired. Um, a couple, what was it, like a week or two earlier, he had been let go by Pittsburgh. So it was, it was kind of one of those things where, like, we were wondering to ourselves as Devils fans, okay, is this a smart hire? Like, why was – we were trying to figure out why was he let go by Pittsburgh. That was kind of like how we started our evaluation. It was like, okay, he was let go. It wasn't like he was just available and we went to go pick him up. 
But no, um, you know, with, with also what was interesting about Mark Recchi, and this was tweeted out by Amanda Stein, who uh, is the you know team reporter. She said that Mark Recchi actually drove um, to Buffalo to meet one on one with Lindy Ruff, which I don't know how you're allowed to do that in this in the world in the state of the world that we're in right now. But uh, nonetheless, they they met in person, and Lindy Ruff said he wanted to see if it was a good fit, and I guess you know they they see eye to eye with what they're trying to do. And what I liked about listening to Mark Recchi on um, the Devils, you know, Devils main podcast for the team was that he was talking about how he wants to, you know, come here, develop the young kids and bring a championship to New Jersey, which we haven't really had a lot of coaches and people within our organization that have really, you know, had the courage to kind of say something like that. So it was kind of a different thing. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I'm interested and, and very optimistic about where this is going to go. If he can develop the power play, the way he was doing in his three years, what was he three years as a head, as an assistant? Um, um, I think it was three years because he started. So, back, yeah, because he was. He came to the Penguins in 2014-15 as a developmental coach. That's right. Uh, he worked primarily with the guys in the minors, the juniors, and also in um, in college. And then in 2017-18, he became an assistant coach. And then um, in two of the three years, he actually had a top five power play. Um, I think they were. They led the league in 17-18 with a 26.2 uh, percentage. And then last year, I believe, they went. They were in third place with a 23.8 percentage. And the Devils' power play is, for lack of a better term, uh, pretty atrocious, considering the <laughs> fact that we were a pass-happy team um, that passed the puck way more than we should have shot it. But hopefully with, with Mark Recchi, you know, that could certainly um, – I'm not expecting a massive, you know, improvement, but certainly an improvement when we get the man advantage. You know, you mentioned the uh, the power play stuff. Not to take any take anything away from Racky, but you mentioned those two or three years, two of three years. Uh, both of those years were with Phil Kessel there. That's true. We took him away, and our percentage dropped. And mm. I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying the whole power play was centered around him, mm-hmm. but it kind of was because we were always trying to feed the puck to him because he'd be the one to you know take that shot from the left side. Yeah. Um, so filtering everything to him, losing him, we didn't know what to do anymore. And Mark Recchi really didn't know what to do anymore. We were still kind of trying the same system, but didn't have that same ability um, on Kessel's side. So that's why our power play kind of just disintegrated without him this season. Um, but the thing about Recchi and the power play is Jesse Marshall brought this up and we had him on in uh, Tip the Iceberg, episode 73, check that out. He said that it's – Mike Sullivan claimed that he was the one after a little while taking the power play back over. Oh, okay. But what we noticed, you know, at least I noticed and Jesse brought it up was what did we always see whenever there was a timeout called and all the players were over on the bench? It's Mark Recchi with the, with the clipboard drawing it all up. Exactly. So it was, it clearly, it wasn't Sullivan doing the job. It was Mark Recchi still out there calling the shots and it wasn't working for us. Mm. I mean, that's kind of part of what's, went into him being fired along with uh, Gonchar and um, uh, Jacques Martin. Martin, We needed wholesale changes everywhere. Mm -hmm. And those were the first three to go. And with that being started, we knew we needed change. He was part of it because we need a new power play system. So we brought in Todd Reardon back. That's different, different topic though. But yeah, no, Mark Recchi with. We could certainly get into that a little bit without a doubt. You know, obviously I would like to hear your, you know, your, your opinion on that. I mean, the main thing is I wanted to get your opinion on on Mark Recchi, but we can certainly talk about that as well. uh, Cause I know that that's uh, 
that's definitely a, a pretty interesting hire as well. Yeah, I mean, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting because he was he was the power play you know coach prior to Kessel, and we had a top power play unit. So I'm sure he'll fill in a new system, Reardon yeah. at least. But with Recky and in Pittsburgh, I think whenever we hired him, I'll just get into this now. Is when we hired him after Tockett, I knew Tockett had like head coaching abilities. Right. Um, so I knew he wasn't going to stick around long, but Tockett was the kind of assistant coach that, you know, I don't remember the exact story, but Tockett would sit you down and tell you to shut up and play your game. Mm-hmm. He had, he was, he was like a strong, you know, strong headed guy. Right. Malkin was mouthing off about something during a game or after practice or whatever. Tockett sat him down and said, you're going to listen to me because I am your coach. You're going to do as I say, and you're going to go play your game. Malkin did that, had a great year. Right. Recky doesn't have that ability to me. He doesn't have that kind of backbone. He's a great coach. He's a great players coach in a way that he'll interact with the players in a fun way. Right. Um, he's always getting involved in practices, which is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever we were doing our restart training camps, Mark Recky was the referee. <laughs> so he's still, you know, out there being a friendly dude to the players, which is yeah. good. I won't say that's not, but you still need that other half of you that's going to sit you down and tell you like you need to listen to your superiors you're a great player play your game listen to what we have to say and good things will happen Mm -hmm. um you know i don't know if recce exactly has that ability i didn't see it too much from him i never heard about it at least so you know as long as the devils don't have too many egos that you know want to ride their game up right i think then if you don't have that you should be okay because he's a great players coach but he doesn't i don't think he has that backbone to really tell guys like hey you're gonna listen to us I think when I look at Rick Tockett and I look at him not just as a coach but certainly also when he played in the NHL you know Rick Tockett was always just a pain in the ass to play against you know he was Mm -hmm. a tough grinded out player I mean he played many years uh, you know against Pittsburgh when he was in Philadelphia and then he came to Pittsburgh and was the same type of player so he is the same person as a coach that he probably was when he was a player so I get where what you were saying with how he was being you know a you know for lack of a better term a tough SOB to, uh, you know, kind of deal with. But I think that without him, they wouldn't have had the success that they did, you know, winning back-to-back cups. Now, he wasn't there, I don't think, for that that part of it. But still, you know, his impact on it, you know, certainly showed that. Um, but, you know, when I look at when I look at Mark Recchi, I mean, the guy played 20-plus years in the NHL, 22 to be exact. So he clearly has a lot of NHL experience. I mean, he's a Hockey Hall of Famer, got back in. You know, he got into the Hall of Fame back in 2017. Um, you know, for, for a young team like we have here in New Jersey, I think he is the right type of coach that we need. Um, I still think that the Devils needed to hire somebody who was not going to be this guy that's going to be your buddy. He's going to demand a lot of you. And I think that's why we went after someone like Lindy Ruff, because Lindy Ruff has always been like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John Hines, you know, God bless his soul. I just, he never was that type of guy to me. Um and I, and I love how the Devils seem to have this tremendous, consistent uh, connection with, with the Pittsburgh Penguins over the last five, six years. Uh, you know, GM, assistant mm-hmm. GM, minor league head coach that becomes the head coach. We took Bo Bennett away. Um, Thank you. you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. He's, you know, he was, he was definitely, um, he'll, he'll definitely not be missed uh, in New Jersey. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I look at this and I say the Devils have a lot of young players that are, you know, immature in the standpoint of they don't have as much experience playing, you know, an NHL game consistently, and they need that kind of development type of guy. And I think that that's what, you know, Lindy Rupp was kind of looking for. Um, 
you know, and, and obviously the next question after Mark Rickey got hired was, does that mean Elaine Nazardine is out the door? Well, it turns out that according to NJ.com, uh, Randy Miller, to be exact from NJ.com, uh, Elaine Nazardine is apparently staying on as an assistant to Lindy Ruff, which is good because I thought he did well, um, not just as an assistant, but certainly, you know, when he took over as the interim head coach, uh, I thought the team played better. So having a little bit of familiarity uh, with the team is certainly going to be important. But with Mark Recchi, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that whenever we hire somebody or bring in a new player, I'm optimistic immediately because I want to give them the benefit of the doubt to prove whether they can or cannot, you know, fit in with the organization. So I'm willing to give Mark Recchi a chance. Um, it is interesting because a lot of Pittsburgh, you know, fans have reached out to me several times and said, uh, you know, it could go either way. You know, he could definitely work out and be a great developmental coach for guys like Nico Heeshear, Jack Hughes, uh, Jesper Bratt, and guys like that. Um, but, he, you know, it could also not work out because, you know, like, you know, exactly what you mentioned, Nick, with, you know, he's not this guy that's going to be a, a big, big pusher. He's not going to be like this guy that's going to demand, you know, way more than the, is expected of the team. But maybe you need to have that balance of a head coach that's like that but then an assistant coach that can kind of bring you back um, if you're getting, you know, frustrated with the head coach to say, it's all right, you know, relax, you know, we need to, you know, you're still going to be, you know, contributing. But the biggest thing is the power play that gets me optimistic about it because it seemed like it improved. Now, you had guys like you mentioned, Phil Kessel, Sidney Crosby, you know, Malkin, Gensel, you know, guys like that. You know, I'm not saying the Devils don't have talent, but they, they don't have the same guys per se that the Penguins have. So is it going to be the same exactly? Probably not. But is it going to be, you know, are we going to see improvement? I think that there is a very good possibility of that. Yeah, it's definitely possible you'll see improvement. And, you know, like you said, always be optimistic when people come in your organization. Absolutely. No matter who it is, at first, you always got to give people a chance. Even if it's a bad trade, like, you know, the Penguins making that trade for Kapanen again. Did I like it? No, not really. But I'm going to give it its chance because yeah. – something's coming from it it's a new face it's new blood it's mm -hmm. um a kickstart in a way yeah. you know and mark recky for the devils is going to be the same thing it's not going to show its face immediately probably but after a little while you'll start to see what you know is good or bad about the whole situation and you know with that being said it's that's how it's going to be you always have to be optimistic to start and then go from there if you don't like it after a little while then you're gonna hate it right but you mentioned it, he'd still, he could also become a good developmental coach, which is what I believe he's probably best at. Mm -hmm. You know, he was developmental before he became the assistant coach um, with the Penguins. Right. He did a great job down there. He was developing Stanley Cup caliber players as he mm -hmm. was down there for um, the back-to-back -back cup years. So if he's working in a developmental role, it'll be great. Like you yeah. said, he's bringing in – or not he's bringing – Elaine Nazarene's still going to be there to be – another piece Recky and Nazardine I saw I think the same article you saw they're buddies they know each other they've yeah. played together the, I think that was the big reason that Mark Recky got hired is that he has relationships with Ruff Nazardine and also Fitzgerald um mm -hmm. you, know, you know um I think Recky was a special advisor to Dallas uh the year that Ruff became the head coach and then you know Recky worked with with Fitz while they were in Pittsburgh together for several years yeah. so you know, they have that relationship, which I think was another reason that he got hired and was accepted by the Devils. Yeah, I mean, chemistry on the ice is good. Chemistry off the ice is just as important. You know, you got to have the guys, you know, the coaches 
always have to know what's going on. So, mm-hmm. you know, having a good relationship between coaches is just another step in the right direction. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, so I guess my last question on this subject, because there's just a couple other things I wanted to ask, because I don't want to just talk about, you know, the devils and, and everything. I also just want to talk about things that are going on in the hockey world, particularly with the Penguins, because they've mm-hmm. been, they've been very busy, um, especially yesterday. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on the move that they made yesterday. But uh, my last question about the Mark Reggie situation is that just for, just for Devils fans, and you could be as honest as you want, because that's what we, that's what we always want here <laughs> on the Devils state of mind. In your honest opinion, what do you think the expectation from Devils fans should be with Mark Reckie coming to New Jersey? Like I said, I think the expectation is going to be if he's playing in a developmental assistant coach position, mm-hmm. that'll be your best bet. Not so much being the hard ass, being the one that's going to get you to buckle in. Yep. But he's a good, like I said, he's a good assistant coach. I, I won't say he's not. He's mm-hmm. not a head coach type guy. So you don't have to worry about him taking over um, the job of anyone. You don't have to worry mm-hmm. about him going off and getting a head coaching job somewhere. So, you know, he's going to be there for a little while. At least you got that to go for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't exactly know what his power play is going to look like because it looked great with Kessel, but then it looked horrible without it because we didn't change a system. So right. depending on what he's able to do with you know, your power play unit, that it all just depend on that. It could go either way for your power play though. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you because look, um, you know, our power play for the last several years, even with a guy like Taylor Hall, was nothing was nothing too spectacular, to be very honest with you. We'd, we lacked uh, more than one guy that had a nose for the goal that wasn't afraid to just shoot the puck. Uh, we have a guy that can be similar to Phil Kessel and a guy like Nikita Gusev. And if we use him the way that Kessel was used, I think that that'll just you know go very well for us. But I think bottom line with this is that I think we brought him in for a multitude of different reasons. I think this is a solid hire. This is not a... It's not a hire that I think we're going to regret. I think if it if if anything, he just does a good job of developing the young guys to taking the next step in their in their careers, um, and that's all he does. I'm totally fine with that. If that means that the Devils get closer to being a playoff and eventual Stanley Cup contender down the road, so obviously, you know, Devils fans, let let me know what you guys think um, about the Mark Recchi hire. Uh, it already seems like a bunch of you, uh, especially on Twitter, clearly seem to like the hire. Uh, some of you are a little bit indifferent, not really sure what to expect, and that's fine as well. Um, it's all about a wait-and-see approach. Um, you know, we still have a good amount of time before we really see uh, the Devils or, you know, even the Penguins, you know, back on the ice before, you know, for next season. But, uh, but Nick, the next thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about here um, to kind of, you know, stay with the Penguins a little bit is that yesterday the Penguins made – I don't know how to call this trade. I guess – I, I mean, I call it a salary dump trade, to be very frank with you. Yeah. Um, the Penguins decided to trade away Nick Bukestad uh, and retain 50% of his salary, which I think is about $2.05 million, in ex- you know, to the Minnesota Wild in exchange for a conditional 2021 seventh round pick. And the condition I believe I'm getting here is must play 70 games in 2020-21 or get 35 points. Um, I think probably the 70 games is probably the more likely scenario but uh but nonetheless uh nick what are your thoughts i know you kind of expressed them a little bit on our group chat yesterday but i want to get your your opinion um your your vocal opinion on your thoughts with this trade yeah i mean 
my thoughts for the trade were like what I put in the Slack chat. I had to ask people how to feel about this trade because I didn't know how to feel exactly because yes, it was a cap jump first and foremost. That's the way it was, but it being retained 50%, that may have been the only way to get him out, Mm -hmm. but he was basically a non-roster player already. He had only played 13 games with us this year, granted short mm-hmm. season, but he was hurt for all of it. He was hurt the entire time off, too. He wasn't going to play in the playoffs. Right. I did digging on it, and I got it, I'm sure, in our episode coming out as well. But for now, the, the condition being 70 games, I wonder if that's going to change if we end up not playing that many games for a season in, in the first place. Very good point, yeah. there's I, that's my that was my first thought because mm-hmm. they're trying to shoot for an 82 game season but i don't think they should be trying it's getting, that it's getting less and less likely as now we're into september and you know they're talking about you know now we're now we may not play till you know january and it's like to be honest with you it, unless you want to play until you know august of next year if you feel comfortable yeah. doing that 82 games just doesn't seem like a, a logical you know possibility yeah, I don't like the idea of playing. They're trying to play – I think I saw it's – they're trying to play 82 games but still be done by April or something like that. It's a very weird – I don't like – They'd be playing every other day, basically, and you can't do that. I mean, you can't do that in hockey. I mean, you could yeah. do that – You could, look, you can do that in the NBA. They clearly proved that you can do that in the NBA. You can do it in – I mean, you could sort of do it in baseball. I mean, they kind of do it anyway. Um, yeah, it, hockey – just the amount of time it takes just to be fully ready to go for a 60-minute game, it just seems very, very difficult to do. Yeah, so I think the 70 games part, if if we end up playing less games, that might change for all we know. I don't know how that all works. Yeah. Uh, but the 70 games was the big question mark to me on that. But like I said, I had to ask people how to feel about this trade because it was someone that the – team organization and everyone around the penguins they spoke very highly of nick bukestad he was a great locker room guy and a good player mm-hmm. it's hard to find him as a good player whenever he only played under 50 games with us i think yeah. that's including last year's playoffs too mm-hmm. I mean, we only played four games there but he was here for a whole season and a half and yeah. we only saw him in under 50 percent of those games so it's hard to pinpoint if he is a quote-unquote good player the team and organization spoke very highly of him. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. If he's able to be healthy next year, let's give him his shot. Let's give him his due. Let's give him his last chance. Right. But we trade him away for cap space. Okay, well, he wasn't really in the lineup anyway, and now we just have $2 million in space. Yes. So it's hard to go back and forth on. In one way, it's good that we gained that cap space, right? Of course, that's always good, right. especially right. considering it's not like he was in the roster anyway. Right. But on the other hand, it's bad because of all the great things the team and everyone has said about him that he could have stepped in. Mm-hmm. So that's where you start to lose it. But overall, I think it's just a move that the Penguins are, aren't spending to the cap this year. Right. And Rutherford wants to make moves of free agency. That was He made that apparent in talking with uh, Josh Yoey or Rob Rossi, I can't remember, with The Athletic. I read that story this morning. So Rutherford wants to make moves um, for free agency. Mm-hmm. dumping cast space is the only way we're going to be able to do it this year and he was just the first one to go and it makes the most sense because like I said he hadn't been playing the most yeah you know I, I don't think Bukestad had enough of an opportunity I mean this is just my opinion from afar because you know I'm not a Penguins fan mm-hmm. anymore Penguins. Um, I felt like Bukestad never really got the opportunity to really kind of mesh with anybody 
it seemed like to me he was shifted onto different lines throughout the year. It didn't seem like he could really stick with anybody. And, you know, it might just be one of those situations where he still is a very good player. He just didn't fit in with the system and what, you know, the Penguins were trying to do. And maybe going to a place like Minnesota, and I, I don't really know what type of system they play, uh, maybe going there would will help him. You know, I don't know. You'd have to ask uh, you'd have to ask Ish from the Soda Pot about, yeah. about that move. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, it, it it doesn't surprise me that the Penguins are one of the more active teams right now in the off season, if you want to call it. Yeah. That. You know, I mean, the off season hasn't technically started, but for the majority of the NHL, except four teams right now, it, the off season has already been going. I mean. The Devils offseason has been going since March 12th. So, I mean, you know, yeah. it, it, it just kind of, you know, it, it is interesting. Um, I know a lot of Devils fans have been talking about when are the Devils going to make any sort of moves. I mean, with the amount of cap space that we have, which is the most of any team in the NHL, something, I mean, we're, we're pushing $30 million in cap space at the moment. Um, you know, we certainly can do things if we wanted to, but it all just depends on where our team is. Uh, whenever you see teams make moves – especially salary dump moves, you have to think about, okay, where is the team going or what exactly is our plan going into next season? Um, I think from Pittsburgh's standpoint, they're still trying to, you know, get the last several good years of, of Crosby, um, and Malkin, Latang, and guys like that out, you know, so they're trying to make room to bring in someone. I don't know who that is. Um, I threw out, and this was only me, I threw out the possibility that if someone like Taylor Hall wasn't going to make the money that he says that he wants, um, which is ridiculous in my opinion, uh, $9 million per year in a year where the salary cap doesn't move and we're in a yeah. pandemic, but, you know, whatever. Um, I could see a guy like Taylor Hall taking a one-year or a two-year bridge deal, if you want to call it that, um, to go to a place like Pittsburgh, if they have the cap space, you know, per se. Um, yeah. But again, it all just depends on what the Penguins want to necessarily do in the free agency, um, trade market, whatever you want to say. I don't, I don't really know. You know, you can speak on that better than I can. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it definitely, you could see, you know, they made the move to get to pretty much, you know, reclaim Kasperi Kapanen, if you want to yeah. say. They certainly gave up a lot. I definitely thought, you know, I definitely thought that it was a little bit of an, over, an overprice for a guy like that. Um, yeah. I know the Devils were one of the teams interested, and I can see now why the Devils didn't pull the trigger on that because they would have had to give up way too much for a player who, you know, still could be tremendous. You know, Cap, you know, Kapanen still has a lot of potential, but mm -hmm. I, you know, it just seems like a lot of price. But um, what do you, what do you, because this kind of brings me to Mike's question, what do you expect the Penguins to continue to try to do in this offseason? And who are guys that maybe you could see the Penguins trying to target, if you can think of any? to try to target, you know, for this offseason? I don't know who we'd be able to target for the offseason. I know we're trying to look for a right-handed defenseman, I believe, because those are few and far between. But, we have that problem here, so, the, yeah, know, don't worry. <laughs> Justin Schultz is on his way out. It's almost certain. Yep. So we're trying to fill his spot in a way and not dig into our minor league system yet for it, which will be a little harder to do and – the moves that are going to be made are going to be Murray's probably leaving. That's the easy one. Right. Um, depending on who we get back, though, for it, could be a pick, could be that right-handed defenseman we're looking for. Before the free agency even opens, there's still moves that have to be made. 
And I think that's what's going to settle who we aim for in free agency. Mm-hmm. Rutherford wants to make a move in free agency. If, depending on what we get back for the move or two that are still going to be made, that's probably what's going to fill out who we aim for. Yep. If we trade Murray out and receive, I think I saw someone say, um, to the Oilers for a group of people, including yeah. Ethan Bear, I guess. Personally, me, I don't want to trade with the Oilers at all. Keep that away from me. You don't, you don't, you don't want to help that franchise. Not even help them. I just personally, this is just my opinion, and I might be right or wrong, but I don't find anyone on that team aside from obviously McDavid, um, Drysaddle, and for the most part, Nugent Hopkins. I think most of that team is beyond overrated. That whole defensive core, I don't think, is that great. I mean, look, we did trade Adam Larson for Taylor Hall, and it's kind of, I mean. I don't know who really won that trade, to be honest with you. At this point, in, the, in, in this point now, looking at it, I mean, it kind of looks like it went both ways. Just because of the fact that, you know, Taylor Hall's not here anymore, and Adam Larson is considered to be your top defenseman. Exactly. Unless you, you want to count Oscar Clefbaum. See, um, like, a guy like him and Darnell Nurse, I don't think they're all that great. I don't. I don't know what it is. They're just number okay. one defenseman on a poor team. Yeah. Ethan Bear still has to prove himself. So he could be the number one, and I could say he's a good player. For now, though, it's just it's just a young guy. He needs to do more. But they're talking returns of someone like Ethan Bear and Clef or and or Clef Bomb. And I'm just thinking that's not the move I want to make. Not right. Right. I get we have to get rid of Murray and yeah. you know. Yo, we're getting, we're kind of just, just gaining those guys and not really losing. Yeah. No, it's, I don't want those guys. That's the at front and back of it for me. I just don't want them. Yeah. Other um, teams that are involved are like Calgary. I don't know who we'd get, but depending on who we receive back for um, the possible Matt Murray move or one or two others that we might make, that's what's going to shape up our free agency, I believe. Yeah, no. Uh, and that was kind of, you kind of brought me into the next type of, uh, you know, rumor slash possible move, which I think at this point it almost seems like it's a matter of time before it actually happens, uh, is the situation with Matt Murray. Um, I remember uh, talking to Shane Ryan uh, from the Sense Pod. He was, he brought up an article while we were talking, while we were doing um, the Devils podcast before I, before I jumped on uh, about someone had said um, to Matt Murray, uh, I think it was a Penguins fan that said something like, no matter how good, you, and how well you do here in Pittsburgh, you'll never be Marc-Andre Fleury, um, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because it was like, but Matt Murray also won you two cups. Yeah, I can remember when that happened. There was a lot of people saying it wasn't real. So, because it was his old goalie coach or something like that. goalie coach from like juniors, I think. That like said. someone leaked it. And I just, there was a lot of people saying immediately that said that wasn't real. I don't think Murray ever commented on it. I don't think anyone from the Penguins organization ever said anything on it. So me and Berlansky, I believe we discussed it, and I think we just said it's not real because, first okay. of all, yeah, Pittsburgh has some great AA holes. We don't think there's anybody like that. We yeah. at least hope not. Yeah. Um, I'm sure – we're sure there's people that think that. But, you know, it just seemed too much to be real almost. I mean, it Granted, doesn't you – know, It's know possible, but – for the most part, I think we believed it just wasn't real. Yeah. Because also there was something – I think there was also something, like, in the big, like, photograph of it that was misspelled or wrong. Mm. So, like, there was all kind of, like, yeah. sleuthing going on. Like, it's not even a real thing. But right. no one mentioned anything of it. It was just 
it it was the headline for like a day or two and then everyone moved on it's it's a weird it was certainly surprising when i first heard it um yeah. and obviously it didn't gain much traction it wasn't like you know Sportsnet, you know and, right. and everything else just kind of started like you know bringing it up uh because if that was the case then i would have been like okay this this must have actually happened um i don't know if it's just me because i I haven't gone to a lot of, you know, Devils, Penguins games in my lifetime. Um, and I've never been to the, the Penguins arena. I mean, I've been to Pittsburgh before. Um, mm-hmm. I, am, I am a Pirates fan, but I've never been to a Penguins game. So I don't know that environment at all. But I've never come across, you know, like a holy in Pittsburgh Penguins fans. I mean, I come across the typical, like, Crosby's the greatest player of all time, Penguins mm-hmm. fans. Uh, but that's about it uh, with that. Um, but nonetheless, when I, when I heard this, it was just kind of like, well, that was, that's an ill, that's, that's a false statement because Murray has done the same amount of success that Flurry had. And I understand that a lot of Penguins fans love Flurry. Um, I know that there are Penguins fans out there that want him to come back. Um, and I think he had, you know, it's funny. I think he'll be one of those players that will retire, you know, whether it's like one of those like one day contracts. Nope. That, like, He'll come back for one more year before he hangs him up, so to speak. You know, I don't know. He might do that, you know. You know, I, I always felt like, and this is kind of a weird uh, comparison, but I compared how much he was loved and adored by, like, when Ray Bork played virtually his entire career in Boston. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to Colorado and wins a cup. Um, you know, and that was, you know, and, and he didn't retire as a Bruin. I felt like he should have gone back to Boston and played like one more game or retired or just retired as a broom because I felt like it was like that. I, I hope that Flurry goes back to Pittsburgh because I'll tell you right now, it was really weird the first time I saw him in that Vegas uniform, just like not in net for the Penguins. Um, right. you know, and, I, and, I under, and I understand, you know, Penguins love and affection for Flurry. It's like devil's affection and love for Martin Berner. It's the same thing. It was like when Marty went and got traded to St. Louis. That was really weird, and we didn't like it, and we weren't happy. Very weird. <laughs> it was no, and everybody in the NHL was like, "Yeah, th- he should not have done that." But again, yeah. it was, it was a difficult situation to be in. But but again, Matt Murray was tremendous um, in his main. I guess you would call it prime. I mean, I guess we can say he's still in his prime, so to so to speak. But I remember I went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2016 in San Jose, and I went to Game Four. And I think that I think Pittsburgh won like four to one or three to one. It was one thing, and he was really good. And I had never heard of Matt Murray before because you know I only mm-hmm. Mark Andre Fleury. I didn't know about Murray. I didn't know where he came from, but he was really good, and he really impressed me also in the World Cup of Hockey playing for Team North America. So I felt like this was going to be like, oh, the Penguins just got their goalie of the future for the next fifteen years right there. <laughs> now all of a sudden it's like oh, we want him out. And to be honest with you, I don't think his value is the same as it was maybe two years ago. That's that what, yeah, a lot of people are saying his value has definitely dropped. But in a way, when you're an agent, you're holding on to, hey, two cups as a rookie, you know, this, that, right. the other thing. You're holding on to that because you know teams will absolutely overpay for that. Right. Because it is in recent history. I mean, he's won a cup more recently than, you know, say Jonathan Quick, who could yeah. probably – or maybe not anymore, but he would have been able to demand a pretty, pretty penny at one point. Probably about four or five years ago, he probably would have been able to. Nowadays, he would be lucky. Now it's a little different, but yeah. 
But you think of like these top goaltenders that he has won a cup more recently than like Jonathan Quick or um, Corey Crawford, who Corey Crawford, is right. probably at the tail end, but or Tuka Rask. Mm-hmm. So there are these guys that he's won more recently than that he kind of has that power over. Yeah. But for the most part, it in of fans and you know regular people's thinking, yeah, it's that's definitely a little bit more in the rear view. Yeah. But if you're an agent and you're a GM, you're going to look at two cups as a rookie within – how many years ago was that now? Four or five? It's, yeah, it's been Not a even, like three, four years. Three, four years ago, yep. You're going to think, okay, that's fairly recent. Nothing yeah. much has really changed. You just had some off years, and you're going to give him that money. I've also always thought that Murray has kind of always lived in this flurry shadow. Mm. that the fans were never going to give him the full respect anyway because he's following a guy like, you know, who set every team record. He meant so he much to the community. When he was taken by the Penguins. He was the first yeah. pick. He's the last goalie, I think. If not, oh, wait, no. Rick DiPietro was taken number one, I think, um, in his draft year. But I couldn't remember. DiPietro was before Fleury. Fleury's the last Fleury, goalie to be – Yeah, is the last one Because be number one overall. Right. Because our draft years went – I think we Flurry. drafted Flurry in 03. Then Malkin. Malkin in 04. Crosby in 05. Stahl right. in 07. Or in 06. Right. So, you know, and those were all top two picks. <laughs> right. Top two, three picks. Maybe Stahl right. was four. But it right. was something that Flurry also was the last, like, piece we had from our awful, awful, awful teams from 03, 04. 0203 from those couple seasons. The bankrupt bankrupt teams. Yeah, he was our last little glint. He was our bright spot to the future from where we're looking at him then. Yep. And we saw what he did for us. And then he was just taken away. And we're left with this guy who has done great things. There was definitely half the Penguins faction that were all for him. You know, he, when he was in the minor leagues, he was setting records almost down there. Mm-hmm. He's becoming rookie of the year down there, player of the month, player of the year, all this. Then he comes up here, wins us two cups. Our golden boy in Flurry is gone, and we kind of are left with Matt Murray, who's a great goalie. And then he starts falling off immediately almost. So you start to look at, well, what's this? Why is he doing this? What happened to this? Why did we get rid of Flurry, who's still able to win games? And then we see Flurry go on to the Stanley Cup final with the Knights. And now you're looking back at Murray like, well, why aren't you doing this anymore? <laughs> right. So he Murray was always putting a bad shadow in for mm-hmm. a lot of Pittsburgh fans, it seems. And it sucks because I loved Murray from the days he was in Wilkes-Barre. I bought a shirt from one of like these like local, you know, like they just make their own things. Right. It was the it said the past, the present, the future, and above it was like um Tom Brasso's number, right? Mark Andre Fleury's number, and then now Murray is said Murray's right. number is the future. Yeah. Well, I can't wear that anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. But for reasons that we don't have to worry about, but it's, you know, Murray going forward is – he's going to be gone, I think, and it's the right move because he's going to demand a lot more money than we can afford anyway. Yeah. I, I heard that another team that's really interested in, in Matt Murray, and I don't know how concrete this is, is Colorado. Um, I know that you looked at the fact that Philip Grubauer did get hurt, unfortunately – which I think was actually the biggest reason that oh, yeah. Colorado didn't win that series because Philip Grubauer wasn't there. And I, and I remember I was on, um, I was on the, the abs pod, you know, a couple months ago 
and I said that Philip Grubauer was going to be the biggest reason that Colorado makes a long playoff run because he showcased himself really well in that second round series against the Sharks uh, last year. He really, really stepped up, and I was really impressed the way he was playing, and I felt like it was there. And then you saw Franco, who, you know, was okay, not yeah. great. Um, and then you had, you know, Hutchinson, who just decided I'm going to become the second coming of, you know, of Martin Berder. Yeah. Like, it, it was just the times where it just seemed like it was unfair that he was making the saves that he was making. But I don't know exactly what the abs game plan is going into the offseason because it's like at this point it's like, okay, well, what else do we need to go, you know, make a long run to try to go win a cup? Do we need help in the goal? Like, do we need to have a good backup? Because – Matt Murray, I feel like if he were go to Colorado, he wouldn't be the number one. And that's just because they have Philip Grubauer, but they may play Murray early on because they don't know what Grubauer's status yeah. is going into next season. Um, I don't know who exactly they would give up. I don't know if there's any defense there, in your opinion, Nick, that you would say, okay, I would be fine with getting. Because, again, I could see by your reaction you're not it's... really you know, excited about it. I'm just trying to think of who they'd be willing to give up on that defense because – who they'd be willing to give up and who we'd be okay with getting. Cause right. there's Kale McCarr, there's Eric Johnson. And after that, Sam Gerard, maybe, I mean, Sam Gerard be, would probably be the guy that they would be. Okay yeah. with you know, Johnson, they can't get rid Murray, of Johnson. If though. you were trading Murray about two or three years ago, you probably could get Johnson. Maybe. Yeah. But right now I think your best bet would be Gerard. And then pieces and, that right. would, it, but I also, I don't think Murray wants to go to a team where, and granted, he probably doesn't have a choice in this, but he doesn't want to go to a team where he's playing this 1A, 1B situation again. He wants to be a starter. Number one, yep. And the way I see it is, personally, I get Grubauer as a good goalie. I always, whenever I see a goalie become a back, as a backup and then kind of become a starter, they yep. always have, in my mind, they always have a little more time to, like, really prove themselves. Like, you, yeah. like yeah, you're a starter. Cool. Prove it now. Right. Now, Grubauer was doing that because last season he really didn't. Like, he was good, but he wasn't what he was this season. So, he, mm-hmm. Grubauer is finally proving himself to be a yeah, true man. number one in this league. Mm-hmm. Throwing Matt Murray in there, I think that not only throws off Murray's mojo because that's not where he wants to be, but then it's going to throw off the whole team's mojo because if you have a goalie controversy like this, unless they're able to work it out like Murray and Flurry were kind of able to do, they were really close and yep. knew what they wanted to do. Yeah. throwing in a new guy and it's going to throw team chemistry off and it's going to hurt. So going forward with that, I don't like the idea of him going to Colorado. I want to see Murray go to a team where he's the true number one. And I said this, I forget what week it was. It was the week I was in Arizona personally okay. <laughs> recording the episode. I said, I want Murray to go somewhere and win a damn cup. Do it again. Don't beat us, but right, go right. win a cup and prove everyone in this town wrong that you are still worth it i mean granted it it would it would be an awesome story i think but yeah it would be interesting um one team that i'll I'll throw out there and and i'll I'll get your opinion on is uh you look at a team like san jose i'm just gonna call it like it is Mm -hmm. san jose doesn't have a number one goaltender martin jones is not that guy um you know you have aaron dell who's a free agent i don't know if they're gonna want to bring him back i have no i honestly would not be able to tell you the Sharks don't really have a lot of cap space. Uh, they have, I mean, look, they have Brent Burns, obviously. They have Eric Carlson, obviously. They're not going to give up either one of those guys in a deal like that. 
I don't think anybody um, wants them anymore either. I don't, yeah, I would not, especially <laughs> Eric Carlson. I think yeah. that it's clear as daylight that giving him the money that he got was a very, very, very bad idea. Yeah. Um, but after those two guys, you know, Edward Vlasic is, is not the same defenseman that he once was. They don't have young, they don't have a young defenseman that really screams, oh yeah, this guy is definitely going to be projected to be a top four defenseman within the next two or three years. Um, you know, as far as from Murray's standpoint, going to a team like San Jose makes sense because he would have a really good opportunity to be the number one goaltender right. and also play for a team that still is sort of in their window of we can still compete. Because yeah. I can't argue with people that the biggest reason San Jose struggled this year was, one, you know, you let Joe Pavelski go. He was, he was your team. Yeah. He was your leader. Now you don't have that. Two, they had more injuries than any team in the NHL. I think they, at one point, guys, you know, Couture, Hurdle, Timo Meyer, Burns, and Carlson were all out of the lineup. I mean, it was just, you know. They, and also, you know, Pete DeBoer gets fired. Mm -hmm. Bob Bootner now is the, I think he's the head coach. I don't, I don't remember they, who is. I don't think they remember. I, I know they gave him the reins, but I don't think they made him the interim head coach. I think they just made him the head coach and they feel comfortable with Bob Bootner. Um, but, you know, obviously I would assume that you probably, from your standpoint as a Penguins fan and looking in from the Penguins standpoint, it's probably not a team that you would necessarily feel comfortable with trading unless you're getting, you know, maybe a couple picks, which I don't yeah. know how many picks San Jose even has. I mean, they do have – they do have Tampa's first pick this year from the trade that they made with Barkley Goodrow. But other than that, they don't really have anything that wows you. But what, if they were to make a deal with San Jose, would that be something that you think as Penguins fans you'd be okay with? But, you know, what is your take on that? We might be okay with that. I don't – I personally don't know too much – I don't know if I want too much of their defense back. So maybe from there I'm picking a bottom six forward, a pick, and – maybe some kind of prospect or something mm -hmm. um, almost no matter what in any situation I think I want a first or early second back for Murray right. and then the rest can just kind of fill itself out probably would only get Tampa's because San Jose's pick is owned by um yeah with the, fit, yeah with the third third overall pick by the way so yeah so like I figured it wouldn't be San Jose's pick it, right but that's why San Jose is such a tricky one because it's you know I don't want anyone from their defense really Maybe a forward piece. I don't know exactly who. And then a prospect. And that's some sort of pick right. in there. Because I looked at our picks. We have nine picks in the next two drafts. Isn't all, no, and three of them are in the seventh round of next, right, right, of right. next draft. Yeah. So we have six, have essentially. Seventh round picks, yes. It's not it, – our draft is not looking good. So we need to bring something back on that yeah. front. Right. Um, just to bolster a core for the future. Yeah. In some sort of way, we need to have something going forward. Our consistently, our minor league system has been ranked fairly low mm -hmm. among prospects. I think it's higher than what people give it credit for, but it's looking at it again. It's you're they're right. It's not you know age is above everyone else. It's we have our Crosby, Malkin, a goalie, Latang, who who knows what the hell is going on there, and then no one. Not right. no one, but and then names that right. we're kind of just plugging and playing, and they're working out because Malkin and Crosby can do that. Mm -hmm. After they're done, though, because Malkin's got two years left, and it's actually a question now: Is he going to resign? After that, 
we have Crosby, who is going to retire here no matter what. Doesn't matter. We will do anything to keep him around. They will let. They won't let him go anywhere else. No, and I don't think unless, he wants unless he personally wants out. I don't think he does though. No, but yeah, unless he wants out, he's not going anywhere. He's just, at this point in his career, he just wants to continue to play as long as he possibly can. I think that that's his biggest goal. I think longevity. Yeah, is probably the thing because you think about it, like he's had several years where he's been hurt, mm-hmm. he's been hurt for a long time. I think he would like to try to make up for that and continue. Yeah. Play, so yeah and not only that is Crosby's the kind of guy that wants to win no matter what we as long as he is on this team you won't see us in a rebuilding phase and a tanking phase or in any sort of thing you like think that that's an Achilles heel though because like you have a guy like that that wants to con- constantly you know be really you know competitive and maybe it's just difficult because you also can't really yeah. build for the future after he's done for now it's not because we can't still win now I think that will become an issue toward the end of his career if he's not willing to take a even if it's even if say he signs two years after his current contract. Let's say he signs two, three years. Even if we tell him, hey, can we just take your first one and just like try and build something? If he's not willing to agree to that, then you're gonna have an issue. I don't think Crosby is the type of person that would be a hard ass about that. I think he would understand it. Um, yeah, I think he would understand it. Involved with the Penguins after he after he's done playing, I can see that. I can too. I feel very weird about it because you know I've grown up watching Lemieux not want to coach straight up, just not want to. As good right, as he right. might be at it, he doesn't want to do it. Right. And we saw Gretzky try it, and that failed. Granted, you gave him a bad team. You put him on Phoenix. Yeah, it was the Coyotes. So yeah, not really but, have much success. Yeah, but still, like you watch Gretzky do it and go, no. I'm just going to sit in my luxury box and work out from up here. Right. Which is okay. But Crosby and the, so I'm like kind of in tuned of maybe Crosby doesn't want to do anything and that's okay. Right. But that being said, I think Crosby will kind of have the mindset of, yeah, we're going to, we might have to take a year off, but I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> the rest of the team can't because Crosby's rookie season, he, we were terrible still. He had 102 points though. So Crosby is probably able to kind of have the mindset of, I just got to go back to what I was like as a rookie. I played my at the top of my game. My ass off, right. But everyone else is going to do their thing, and we just might suck this year. Right. It'll hurt, but hopefully, like, the year after, right. we're built for the future, and whenever I retire, the mm-hmm. team can continue on. But who knows what he wants to do exactly because, like I said, he's a guy that wants to win at all costs at any mm-hmm. time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, um, it's kind of like uh, – I can kind of compare it to, like, you look at the Boston Bruins after they won the Cup in 2011. You know, even then, you know, their, their main core was not that young. I mean, right. they, yeah, Marchand and Bergeron and those guys, but Char was also, you know, well into his mid, mid-30s. Yeah. Um, but they have been able – because you can see that Chara and, you know, those main guys, they're not asking for a whole lot of money because they're really more – interested in continuing to be a successful team and as a result they've been able to draft and develop some really young talented players guys like David Pasternak um, you know and Jake DeBrusque Charlie McAvoy you know Tory Krug to a lesser extent because Tory Krug is about 28 now so he's he's a little bit more on he's been there for a while Mm -hmm. but you know they've been able to do that because they probably spoke with the you know organization and they were all coming to agreement that yeah we'll, you know, take less money and make it easier on you guys as long as 
we continue to remain a successful competitive franchise. And you saw, you know, nearly won the cup last year. This year got knocked out in the second round pretty easily, but still went relatively deep in the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, I think if, you know, Crosby, maybe Malkin as well. I don't know. Malkin seems to be more of a guy that just wants to get his. I, I don't, you know, I can't speak for, for Malkin that much. Yeah. Latang, I, Latang is getting close to the end, if not, if he's already there. Um, but I think if they were able to do the same type of thing within the next two or three years, you know, doing it correctly, I think that they could remain, you know, competitive and young. Because I think that they do need to get younger in some aspects. Yeah. You know, and, get it, and keeping Tristan Jari as your number one goaltender, to me, would be kind of the start of that. You know, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, and, and Murray, you're not going to get a whole lot, in my opinion. You, you're probably going to get some picks, maybe a young prospect. Right. But you're not going to get the same value that you may have gotten two, three years ago. Right, and that's, and that's just the way it is. His play is kind of taking him down a peg. But like I said, I mean, if you're an agent – you're working that two cups as a rookie and, you know, the right. the World Cup of Hockey appearance. You're you're showing off his accolades, and you're like, hey, he can still do it. He's still only 25. I don't remember his age exactly. But he's still in his, still in his mid-20s. Yeah. Still has a prime to hit, really. Right, right. So you're showing him off. You're showing him that he's a young, winning goaltender who has more to prove, especially now. Yeah, without a doubt. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the Penguins have been one of the more active teams. I think they've been probably the most active team so far in the offseason. But I think just kind of like, you know, with uh, Kyle Dubas said with the with the uh, Maple Leafs that this is probably not going to be the last move that you see Pittsburgh make this year. Uh, I don't know what other moves they're going to make. We hear rumors, but then again, they're just, you know, they're rumors until it's actually announced. That's yeah. the way I look at it. So could Matt Murray still be traded? Absolutely. Um, do I think he will? Probably, Probably. Yeah. but you never know. They may just they may just be like, hey, we didn't get a good enough offer, and that's that. Um, but if if he doesn't get traded, that might cause some issues um, and some awkwardness because yeah. I think Matt Murray at this point in his mind probably has it that he's probably going to get moved. That Most likely, yeah. Probably knows he's on his way out. Um, who he gets traded to, it all just depends. That's the question. It's going to be who yeah. he gets traded to. The other yeah. problem is that because the Penguins don't have a lot of cap space, they won't have a lot of say in these negotiations, so they may not get a deal that 100% benefits them. So it, it all just depends on trying to get the most uh, that you can. But but nonetheless, uh, Nick, uh, thank you so much for doing this today, man. Really appreciate you coming out, talking about Mark Recchi, obviously, yep. and then talking about things. Uh, before I let you go, because I do this with all my guests, uh, just plug anything that's going on with the tip of the iceberg, uh, yourself personally, and, and everything else. So uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Oh, yeah. I mean, thanks for having me on again. It's always fun talking with you. I mean, we, we've done multiple after hours together. You've been right. on our show. Um, we've had some great conversations. And, yeah, just, you know, tip of the iceberg comes out every Monday as well. We're going to have a – should have a good episode coming up this week. We're talking to the Vegas Nightly guys nice. who are – ton of fun if you've been watching after hours as well um but yeah follow the uh the ice the podcast on twitter at iceberg podcast you can follow me personally at nick Horwat 41 and we have an instagram i believe it's the same name i don't run it it's berlansky that runs it but hey but so he'll know he always does the spiel about where to follow us on but um you know give us a follow i'm trying to you know write a little more for the hockey writers i should have a trade uh, revisit from the Hornquist trade. It's actually really uh-huh. interesting. But yeah, um, find us, 
listen to us, watch us. We try and do video content on our Twitter all the time. That's why I got this new background where I'm showing off a Rangers jersey for your delight today. <laughs> yeah, if you guys are just listening to the pod, you guys can't see it, but he, is, yep. he has a Mika Zibanejad jersey, which he got from cool I think yeah, got like coolhockey.com. Coolhockey, yep. Yep. Just continuing to take advantage of that. It's the mystery box. If you guys haven't done that yet, I haven't personally done it, but if you guys haven't done it yet, go do it because honestly, I think you're going to pretty much be happy with whatever you get unless yeah. you're unless you're Franklin who just somehow got a what do you get like a Dallas Stars winter classic I, jersey, I think. Oh, like, I don't remember, but I, I think he got something like that and he was just like of all the things to get, this was not Oh no, he got no, it wasn't Dallas. It was uh, Nashville. He got the Nashville. I like Nashville's Winter Class right. ones from this year. But, yeah, if yeah, the way I looked at it going into it was, hey, if I get one I like, I like it. I keep it. If I get one I don't like, it's a real jersey that somebody it, right? wants. I still, you know, I still paid, um, what is it, like 100 bucks? Right? Something like that. It's cheaper than a regular yeah. jersey for sure, but it's, it's worth cheaper it. cheaper than anything you're going to get on NHL.com. That's the way exactly. I Exactly. I mean, you're going to – flat out, you know, you're going to make – you're going to save a lot of money doing yeah. it that way. So, please go do that. Um, you know, that would, that would be great. But uh, also, I just want to say that I, I'm with you. Um, if Ovechkin does get that extension, which is what apparently we're hearing, oh, that yeah. a very expensive 40-year-old man. Um, but then again, he probably he might be the money. only one that's worth it. Yeah. He's like the only player I've ever, that I've ever seen in my lifetime, which is not that long, but certainly enough to say that he would be worth, um, you know, that much money. But nonetheless, again, thank, thank you so much, Nick. And uh, We'll definitely have you and Berlinski on again. Uh, I know Berlinski wanted to jump on with us, but, uh, you know, he, he couldn't this week. But we'll, right. we'll definitely have you both on, uh, without a doubt, uh, down the road. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. All right, man? No problem. Thank you again. No problem. So, once again, thank you very much to Nick Horwath from the Tip of the Iceberg podcast for coming on and speaking with us for a while, talking about Mark Recchi and a bunch of other things. We'll definitely have you on and Berlinski on again very, very soon. And with that being said – That'll wrap it up for this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. Thank you guys, as always, as I mentioned before, for taking your time in your busy schedule to listen to this episode today. Again, let me know what you guys think of just the episode in general, of you know the Mark Recchi hire, and everything else that we talked about here today. Would love to hear from you guys. Your, your guys' support truly means a lot to me. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you want to check out more of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, here's what you do. One. You can go on the hockeypodcastnetwork.org and you can check out and just look up Devil's State of Mind within the website and you can see all of the episodes that we post every single Monday, just like all the other podcasts within the network. You can also just go and wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever, just type in Hockey Podcast Network or Devil's state of mind and you will find it without a doubt you can also just follow us on twitter at devil state like i mentioned before at devil's state of mind on instagram and also devil's state of mind on the facebook page and on all three of those as well we have a link to the website for the devil's state of mind podcast where you can just bookmark it there and you can go directly to the new episodes that we post every single monday like i mentioned before so you can check us out there and i would greatly appreciate the support um as i always do and i will continue to say this you know as we get closer to the beginning of the season we'll continue to have more great content more awesome guests and so much more coming up uh, i'm really excited to continue to do this and i'm looking forward to whenever next season starts but uh it, it's coming up pretty quickly uh, especially because we have the nhl draft and then free agency coming up very very soon so please 
go follow us and subscribe to us on all the places I mentioned before. If you want to just listen to more of my voice talking about sports, you can check me out on the Mofobo Network podcast, which is available on Anchor and also Spotify. Just type in Mofobo Network and you'll find it, or my name, Neil Villapiano. I just talk about all the things that are going on in the wide world of sports. I just finished up my 40th episode of the first season of the Mofobo Network podcast, so please go check that out and support me on there. As always, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, you can follow and subscribe to the Mofobo Network YouTube channel, where just like the podcast, I bring up a certain topic that's going on in the world of sports, and I talk about it on YouTube as well. So Mofobo Network presents, and you'll find it there on YouTube. Like and subscribe to that if you want to check out more content that I give to the world. Uh, and also, if you want to stay up to date with both of those, uh, you can either you can follow me on Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and on Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. And also, we have a Mofobo Network Facebook page, just like the Devil's State of Mind, where you can stay up to date with the new podcast episodes and the new YouTube videos. For the podcast, new episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, and new YouTube videos come out every single Wednesday. And last but certainly not least, go check out my book on Amazon and also on Barnes & Noble, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 which is about the pain and suffering of being a Jets fan. And hey, week one of the NFL season uh, just happened this past week. Uh, obviously, I'm recording this before all the results actually happened, so... You know, I don't know if you're in a good mood, bad mood, or whatever, especially if you're a Jets fan. I don't know uh, what you're feeling today. But nonetheless, go check it out. It's about the pain and suffering of being a Jets fan, all the painful memories, painful player decisions, and so much more that goes from the time the Jets won Super Bowl three back in 1969. So go check it out. If you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, please go do so. It's available for hardcover and ebook for the price of 19 69. Again, J-E-T-S, pain, pain, pain. So thank you guys very much once again for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone, as always, continue to be safe out there. You know, we're still dealing with the pandemic. We're slowly but surely getting closer to flattening the curve and eventually finding a vaccine. Uh, just continue to do what you've been doing if you've really been out there, you know, trying to stay safe to protect yourself, your loved ones, you know, continue to do so because we're getting closer every single day. And, you know, I, for one, greatly appreciate it. And I know millions of other people greatly appreciate um, all of the selfless acts that you guys do. So thank you guys very much. Thank you as always to all the wonderful essential workers out there that continue to work day in and day out to just help us get through this very, very difficult time throughout the world, not just here in the United States, not just in Canada, not just in North America, but certainly all over the world. There are so many people out there that are just doing the best that they possibly can. And without your guys' help, we would not be in a good position right now. So thank you guys very much for all the hard work you do. Thank you to everyone who listened today and rock on. Woo!